It's the one, it's the two, it's the three, it's a Linda float, Linda float. Okay, just a wellness podcast. Just the wellness plug podcast. Just the wellness plug podcast. That's who I be. Everywhere I go, I ride with G-O-D. You know, you know, because we ride it with God. Don't need me. Don't need me. Here we are. That's it. Here we are. <laughs> the wellness plug <laughs> back again for another episode. Oh my goodness. This one this one is going to be really interesting. Greetings to our pluggers. Indeed. Indeed. For our third episode. The pluggers. Oh my god. Officially we have a name. We have for a name. Our community. <laughs> it's made up of pluggers. People who are keen to plug into a way of living better. From a health and wellness point of view, we are the pluggers, right? Yeah, and and as the, uh, I guess, what are what are we then in this community? Are, are we the the honourable pluggers as the podcasters, or <laughs> I, I, I'd say we are also part of the pluggers because I think we, you know, yeah. we are seekers of all things wellness, and so we are also Absolutely. pluggers in a certain way. But we also definitely are the plug, and as the plug, <laughs> I want to officially welcome every single person who's been following us. On social media Who's been listening To our current episodes Thank you so much For the support It's been really Really humbling To see how many people Are plugged in yeah. And really curious About learning Learning about their health And, and how to just Do that road better I don't mm. know If there's such a thing as, as attaining perfection When it comes to Looking after yourself But what I really appreciate Is people are curious Yes People are invested And people are definitely To a large degree Committed to just being a part of something that allows them to feel better, feel stronger, feel healthier. Yeah, yeah. And, and, for, and, and for that, we're grateful, right? Yeah, and the great thing for me is that the pluggers have been engaged in a meaningful and insightful kind of way, which is exactly what I think we were looking to do from the very beginning, is to not just, uh, you know, touch on the surface level of certain topics, mm. but really have insightful and meaningful conversations that can translate into actual actions oh, man. in people's lives that can ultimately make a difference. You couldn't have said that better. But to those of you who are listening to this for the first time, welcome to the Wellness Plug Podcast. This is episode three. My name is Dr. Sidi Gule, a.k.a. Dr. G. I'm not rolling alone, but before I introduce my uh, partner in work crime, I think that's what we're going to say today. A <laughs> um, couple of questions that I'm going to drop to get you going on today's episode is, why do we work? Hmm. Are you a workaholic? What is a workaholic anyway? And what is this work-life balance we're supposed to have? I'm sure you can tell by now we're in that work state of mind today. And it's such an important part to bring in the wellness perspective of this topic because mm -hmm. it takes up most of our daily lives. So officially, welcome, pluggers, to episode three, work, work, work. And yes, I almost sung. <laughs> I almost I thought you were about to go into, like, into that melodic little flow right now. You know I can always go there. <laughs> but um, we're not here <laughs> to, to honor some of the best artists in the world. We're here to discuss the actual topic. And with that, I want to welcome my work partner in crime today, Mr. Katleho Mamwe. 
Yes. Always great to see you, my friend. How are you? Ah, sister. Wait, wait, wait. No, it's good. It's good. How am I today? Uh, yeah, it's been one of those... Because, I mean, it's been a while since we, we recorded yeah. um, the last episode. So, a lot of time has elapsed. Right. And a lot of things have transpired in that time, which, True. you know, obviously, life has its ups and downs. But, like, this morning, for instance, when I was driving here, I was thinking to myself that, like... Because I said to a friend of mine that... Um, I know that everything that is happening right now in my life is working for the greater good, right? Even though I can't see it. Because oh, there are times when it's like super, one. super dark and I'm just like, no. And then I thought of a metaphor of like, you know, the tallest trees that you might see, let's say in a rainforest like the Amazon jungle, right? At some point, that tree was but a seed, right? That was deep down under the earth and had probably no idea, not probably didn't have any idea of what it could become. But keeping the faith that there's a reason why it's still alive. There's a reason why all of these things are happening around it, whether it be germination, mm. fertilization, and it, you know, at one point it broke through the ground and it could see the sun for the first time. And from then onwards, it was just rising. So I, I tend to kind of uh, live with that metaphor in my, in my head right now, because there's been some pretty dark times, but here we are today and, you know, we're plugging into another reason to, uh, find meaning and purpose, which is for us talking to the pluggers about wellness. And yeah. So on, on, on that level, Man. that's, that's why I am today. I know that that was very no, loaded. <laughs> I was that extremely was, loaded. It's one of the reasons I love you though. You know, <laughs> you know, we have um, each of us as, as the presenters or co-hosts of, of the wellness plug podcast have nicknames. And uh, Katleho's nickname in the team is actually the philosopher. And I feel like what you just did is, is literally prove why? Why you are? You are the guy you say I, you are. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've earned that nickname. But oh I'll, no! Come on. Yeah. That was that was so meaningful, Kat. And I think I think it's so in line with this conversation of um, needing to feel a sense of moving forward all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Even when you're feeling stuck. And I think with today's topic, it's such an important thing because not everybody, not everybody has the privilege to work. Right. Right. Um, right and right, right. whether you're working for cash. Or from a place of heart, you're volunteering. Work requires a, a feeling that no matter what life is throwing at you, that you will still be able to push forward, make a difference, yeah. make an impact. And I think you contextualizing it in a context of what you're currently traveling is part of having these open wellness conversations because mm. people like to separate these things, right? You want to have a work persona and then you want to have this internal persona that you hide from everybody. And I think we're going to get into so many different layers of this. Some people may feel triggered today. I'd like to apologize in advance, but shout out <laughs> to all my workaholics because we are going there as well. Um, I just really love how, how honest we stay, how yeah. brave we stay in answering the question, how are you? Because I think without that, this podcast doesn't stay as unique as it has been. Um, it's so easy, as I always say, to just kind of throw things at people and, yeah. and almost prescribe and instruct um, on how people should think and feel about topics. What I really love about what we're building here is we really are going into a community of staying brave and connecting with what wellness really means, which is having these discussions and not and keeping ourselves accountable to staying the path of staying honest, Absolutely. no matter what we're going through in yeah. our own lives. And like it's it's not easy and um it's not nice to admit <laughs> that like, yo, I'm not having the greatest day today. Yeah. But like we've spoken about before that right. 
it's in that acknowledgement that you start building a sense of resilience and strength. So, oh. speaking of which, how are you doing? I mean, oh my god, you look amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I showed up for work. Hey, <laughs> to those of you hey. who have not seen me lately, <laughs> a lot of a lot of my clients have been saying. Dr. Gucci is back. I'm not sure what that means. Um, but um, she was never gone. <laughs> Talk about. It. I feel like I feel like it's like a bit of like a an MJ Michael Jackson thing, right? Like who's back? back. <laughs> ding, what, ding, ding. Anyway. We're gonna go there, aren't we? But um, I think I think what I'm doing more than anything is just weathering the storm. Uh, you know, recently something really really tragic happened mm. within our community, and um, it gets really hard to show up. When the great ones leave this earth, um, and I think our community in particular has has suffered quite a lot, and everybody has. But I would like to take this moment to honor one of science's finest souls to ever walk this earth, uh, our little sister and friend Donim Kunu, who we lost over the Easter weekend. Um, it's been a devastating time for everybody whose lives were touched by her. Um, and I think it's important to send condolences when you can, even in a public platform. So I would like to send my deepest thoughts and prayers to her family, her community and her loved ones. She made a mark. And I think because this topic is about work, um, sometimes we think that we have to work for a very long time before we get the recognition and the thank you and the accolades. Um, but, she, you know, at only 33, she really made an incredible mark. And I hope that as scientists, we don't let her down by continuing the incredible work she's done in Black Woman of Science. She was the founder of that, quite a hero. Um, and I can only imagine what it's like to to then have to take a baton of someone that young um, and, and continue. So my thoughts have really been around how do we, those of us who are left behind, how do we juggle this concept of legacy in our work um, as part of honoring people who do make an impact um, in their various industries, whether it's entertainment, whether it's it's the sciences, uh, whether it's politics. And, and I'm sure quite a lot of people who have grappled with losing colleagues, loved ones, friends, family, as the people left behind were left with this idea of what they've done in the world and where we now fit in terms of continuing to echo their good work. And I, and that's a different layer altogether uh, of looking at the meaning behind work, but it's a great introduction, I feel, to the question, why do we work? Yeah. Why yeah. do we work? And that is a very interesting question. Uh, you know, obviously, we, yeah. we must acknowledge that uh, our friend and partner, uh, Lina Majola is not with us today because he is managing quite a hectic work schedule right now. Exactly. He's juggling all kinds of balls <laughs> in the air, which is amazing for him because, I mean, obviously that that represents progress yes. in, in his life. But the question of why we work, that is, mm. it's such an interesting one because I think for everyone, that reason is different, right? It might be right. for economic reasons, obviously, because we have this thing called money, which is the currency by which we live our right. lives. And therefore, it's, it's, it's an important part of it. Uh, yeah. Depending on the lifestyle that you want to lead, that currency can help you. Mm. Um, and then, of course, there's, there's purpose, there's passion that people work for. Absolutely. Uh, people uh, work for so many different reasons. Um, there's no one size that fits all. I agree. And... Um, 
you know, our youngin may not be with us today, but I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm, I'm very sure. And, and if you don't know who our youngin is, it's the fabulous Linda Majola. Um, he's running around. He's, yeah, he's the youngest. <laughs> he's the youngest in our family. And um, we miss you, Linda. And we know that you'll be right back with us when you can. Um, and, and that speaks to exactly what you're saying is, is this conversation of why do we work? You know, mm-hmm. work is a different, um, has a different context in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s and up. But I think... I think there should be very key values and key reasons throughout your entire life mm-hmm. that I guess make the concept of work worthwhile. And the reason I'm I'm starting with that, with the, almost the philosophical part of okay. work, is because irrespective of what work you choose to do or you have to do, and I need to acknowledge mm-hmm. that there are many people that don't always get the option of choosing what kind of work you right. do. The, the reasons of why you work need to be tied to something often that's greater than us, us meaning us as an, our individual selves, yeah. our needs. Um, and for many, many people, and, the, and studies have shown this, the reason that people will get up and work is to provide for their families. Yeah, absolutely. In, and in the different ways. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it, it carries a lot of weight. Right. Um, you know, especially when you think about the communities that we come from. Yes. And how, uh, you know, there's so much that's been poured into you as an individual in your development. And oh, so don't get me started. <laughs> you know, this, the pressure that comes with what kind of job you, you take on, what you choose to do, and how that in some ways needs to filter back or trickle down mm. back to, you know, the people who made you who you are. Mm. And maybe that, that's even like a, a big part of the reason why a lot of, you know, young Black people are not um, encouraged as such to mm. follow passion and purpose. It's That's more a very like, good what point. What is a Kat. practical thing? Like, right. what you want to become an artist? You want to become a painter? Mm. Yeah. Mm. No, 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 no. Ipimali you must uh, paint the house inside the walls, and then go find a job so that you can, you know what I mean. And I don't mean that in any kind of like you know, I hear you. slight way. It's and I and we we have to understand the pressures of our of our communities and our, our parents and grandparents had brought us up. But it, it is it is kind of like one of those things that we need to reflect on and understand, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? Absolutely. I think the historical reference of, of different cultures, different races, different genders, and how we've been socialized to think of work is an important layer. I have an interesting question for you as I go into this concept of, okay. of wellness and work. Um, when you were contemplating your life yeah. as, a, as the philosopher that you are. Um, <laughs> when you thought of the idea of work, was it, was it a really deep discussion for you? Or, or did you just kind of find yourself in something that you really enjoyed and then it became something that you call work? I think it was certainly the latter because <laughs> my idea of what I would do as a job or as work okay. never, ever in my life um, because you have an interesting history, itself. yeah. It never by manifested the way. itself in where I am right now. Like there was yeah. a stage I remember in grade two, I was like sitting or standing in in line at assembly, and then the teachers were like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" You're like, "Ma'am, I want to be a scientist." Ah, you, oh, you wanted to it. be one of at us at some point. Yeah, <laughs> at some point I had we a lost out, guys. Big, <laughs> I had a big passion for sports and cricket in particular, and so yeah. I wanted to be a Proteus cricket player. At some wow. Point. Um, then I found out that I was quite okay at accounting. I was doing pretty well with the numbers. Mm-hmm. And then 
opportunity fell into my lap to study in the uh, commerce wow. side of, 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 of things. And I was lined up to become an accountant. But my gosh. You know, all throughout my life, music was, it was always a passion of mine. And right. it was one of those things that I would do. Like I sing when I'm happy, right? Mm. And it, it becomes... It, like a breathing mechanism almost Like singing is breathing And then I'm hearing you. music led me to the world of entertainment And yeah. the joy that I saw in people's eyes and, and, and their reactions from our performances Made me feel like But this is something that I could really attach myself to Because it gave me meaning yeah. and purpose The fact that I could be there on a is. stage And potentially change someone's outlook on the day and possibly their life given a performance that we put together absolutely for me resonated much more than whatever paycheck i would get as Crunching numbers the executive of whatever obviously it might have I been got you. it might have been great as well but that that's where the work thing came about um, and how i found myself doing what i do so there is this thread see there is this thread in terms of almost a need for fulfillment yeah, um, yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons it, it makes me realize that really, I think, Gen, and I'm going to say this very candidly, Gen Z's, millennials, we are in a very unique position of privilege when you look historically mm -hmm. into perhaps the choices our parents had on where they could find work that also fulfills their desire yeah. to, to impact the world in a different way. There must be something about being able to wake up every day and knowing that through what you do, that you love, you impact someone positively. Um, and whether it's in a professional mm -hmm. sector, right? Like you said, now, now I'm realizing there's something new I learned about you. <laughs> it's not just the accounting sector that lost you, the science sector lost you. But <laughs> to, to also have, to, to have the freedom, to have the freedom to choose what work you do. Mm -hmm. In countries like ours, that in itself is the first privilege of being able to enjoy meaningful work. Yeah. Um, and on the flip side, my story a little bit different. I knew as early as thirteen that you wanted to be that a I wanted to be a doctor. Wow. So I was that obsessed kid. Um, and my parents bought these encyclopedias called, I think they were called World Book. Uh, my parents are going to kill me if I forget those encyclopedias <laughs> because I abused the heck out of those encyclopedias. So that was my first you love with science. I actually read them. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've only opened an encyclopedia like you know, five times and three times it was in Carter. <laughs> On a Windows 95 PC. I know. Like I was that girl <laughs> growing up in Township. Shout out to Eskawini, now known as Eskaleni. I was that girl in J2. My parents used to have the side hustle of selling things on the side. And one of those was encyclopedias. And uh, it used to come with, the, it used, those encyclopedias came with the globe of the world. Wow. Oh my gosh, they used to light up. Come on. Who wouldn't be interested in science yo, after that? Yo, yo, so yo, yo. I, yo. Have, I have such a Were you walking memory. around with a stethoscope around your <laughs> neck as well? It sounds I'm, like it. <laughs> I might as well have been because some people will testify that I used to um, border on stalking the local... The local <laughs> walking around people being like, cough, The local cough. doctors. <laughs> Let me hear your cough. Yeah? <laughs> so I was seized by my passion. That's amazing. I was seized by my passion at that young age. And I always look back and I say, I'm always grateful to God that that happened that early because yeah. I couldn't see any other career path for me outside of medicine after that. And um, wow. the rest of my life kind of shaped itself to ensure that I continue on the path. 
But my love was for science and healing. Mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily a love for medicine. I right. think I think the medical part became a a vehicle for me in a order to in order to, to be there yeah. to be in it for them. Mm-hmm. So today's wellnessology segment is. Looking at work from whichever lens you come from, whether you are a physical or construction worker, uh, whether you're a welder, whether you're a plumber, whether you're an artist, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you've been working for 30, 35 years and about to retire, um, whether you are unemployed. Mm-hmm. Big, Which is a very, section, very, very real, big section, right? Um, yeah, reflection of a, a major part of our population, especially our young people. Right. Um while we may not have the answers of how to solve all the complex layers around work, what we can do for you today is give you some grounding on when you do approach your work life, what are the things that will propel you forward without damaging your health. And and that's hmm. really where, as, as the wellness pluggers on this side, we come in is we're about making sure that anything that you pursue in your life, short term, long term, um, is fulfilling, but at the same time, it's not coming at the cost of your health. And the reason that is an important thing to say mm-hmm. is because we have a culture of work in the 21st century mm-hmm. that is largely unhealthy. Making big controversial statements so early in the show. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm interested to hear, you know, from a yeah. medical point of view, how Correct. you define that and what, what okay. are the categories that you tick off to go, the culture that we have Absolutely. is unhealthy. Yeah. Um, you know, the great thing about scientists is we love to research and investigate stuff before we make these bold statements. So we have backup. We like that. We've done these show surveys. We've done these studies. Um, so, you know, Various beautiful institutions, Harvard uh, being one of them. Uh, you've got universities like Columbia. You've got really amazing medical institutions. Even the World Health Organization does serial studies across decades and decades on on the risk of certain specific um, hazards to your health mm-hmm. and and its relationship to work. Okay. And and one of the things that has mushroomed, I guess, out of I would say maybe the last five decades of this research is this concept of accepting that perhaps there really is a genuine, a genuine um, reality of a concept called workaholism, right? Um, hmm. you've, you may have heard people throw around this, I'm a workaholic. I'm a workaholic. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and most people who usually throw that word around are very proud. By the yeah, way. yeah, they, they attach a part of themselves to that. Like, it's who I am. It's what I am. Right. You yeah. and I, I mean, just the other day, we're talking about this conversation of um, uh, how in social media, yeah. uh, work is getting maybe unjustifiably glorified. <laughs> um, uh, the culture of working compulsively. And, and that's where I want to go. Okay. Is You know, I'm a scientist, so I like to go with definitions first. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I want to start with this concept of the culture of work because that's where the wellness really comes in. A workaholic is de- is described as someone who works compulsively and works excessively hard mm-hmm. and long hours to the cost of their sleep, their health, and their social functions. Hmm. And the key thing here is to understand it's the cost. Right. The cost is not always visible until your life starts unraveling. 
So I guess is, is that where you kind of distinguish between being somebody who is hardworking versus right. somebody who is a workaholic? There we go. Because there it's at the cost of certain essentials that make your life uh, more rounded and more balanced. 100%. Because we started with why do we work? I'm now navigating us on the wellness perspective on how, how do we work? Mm-hmm. And the how, and if you look at this definition closely, what's interesting about this definition of workaholism is it looks at the how. So they work compulsively, they work excessively hard, and they work long hours. Most people, when it comes to defining themselves as a workaholic, only really focus on I work long hours. There's this interesting perception that if you work long, if you work for a long time Mm -hmm. in a 24-hour day, you'll produce more results. Which isn't necessarily the case. There we go. I mean, logic dictates that even longer hours don't necessarily <laughs> equate to productivity. You could sit in front of your computer for eight hours doing nothing. Okay. So there is, there is the practical side of looking at this conversation of hard work, uh-huh. which is how people think of long as productive. Not always true. Mm-hmm. So the longer you work, the more productive you are. But there's also this conversation of the quality of work that you're doing. Right. right, the type of work that you're doing and its pos- potential impact on your health. There's a reason that there is a department or a division within all companies or organizations called occupational health and safety okay. because its job is to actually be able to protect that layer because it's such a gray area for a lot of sectors and a lot of people who get employed, mm-hmm. right? So not we're not talking necessarily about self-employed people. People who get employed to do specific work like I said, plumbing, construction work, et cetera. The how is so important and it gets constructed at that very basic level. Being healthy and being safe are two mutual, mutual requirements of being productive at work. But what most people often overlook is the healthy part. Okay. So it's easy to look at whether your work is safe. It's not always easy to look at whether how you've structured your work is healthy. There we go. Is is one protecting your health or damaging it? Hmm. So the interesting thing, if you missed our first episode, we talked about the body edition. Yeah. Is that a lot of the time we focus on how we treat ourselves during the course of our lives. We wait for physical manifestations or what I call physical signs to see if what Something we're doing or what we're up to is is causing damage or is not. Many times, though, we don't listen to those signs because there are very subtle signs the human body will give you when you are overextending yourself. The younger we are, the better position we're in mm-hmm. to create habits that allow us to work effectively Okay. without damaging our health long term. So you basically can't teach an old dog new tricks. There we go. <laughs> so today's conversation on the how we work is about inspiring people to work effectively rather than stay workaholics. And that's hmm. why I had to first define what workaholism is. I had a question earlier on when go you were it. talking about the compulsion mm. to work, right? Mm. They work compulsively and excessively. Yes. Is that a relative thing or is there like a standardized <laughs> measure or barometer? Like the compulsion yeah. to work is, are you a workaholic if you wake up in the morning and, and the, the first, first thing, thing you, you think about is, I need to go and yes. work? Yes, but there are a couple of things that we look at. We look at as someone who's currently working how are you managing the day-to-day quota of your work? So 
oh, you're a person who tends to worry a lot about deadlines and that worry causes anxiety and paralysis and performance issues. Um, how's your sleep? Sleep is an interesting determinant of whether or not you are in a dangerous zone of, of working compulsively. Mm. And it's an interesting one because when we do these assessments, most people will either under quote mm-hmm. the amount of sleep they're not getting because they're scared of being judged. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so we all are suddenly, because we hear it everywhere, no, the normal uh, number of hours is eight, eight hours. So I must always put eight. So <laughs> so people aren't always honest to, to in order for us to reflect back. You know you don't sleep eight hours. You know it. <laughs> say it. But in general, but in general, I always say the healthiest way to find out if you are on the good side of the work spectrum or the unhealthy side is to, to, to do an assessment. And I mean, we definitely will put up some resources on our social media page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this will be an interesting exercise for a lot of people to try. Um, and I make it a point to go for vetted um, questionnaires because there's also a bunch of stuff here mm. online that can completely derail you. But a couple of small things that will tell you if, if you're good is how many hours you are spending actively working. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, there's the general consensus of the eight to 10 hours. But in general, if you look at especially this current century, the 21st century worker is is pushing between 10 and 14 hours a day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? I, I literally have a friend who works and he said this to me, 12 hours a day. He's like talking about between eight to 10 Zoom calls right? and consultations a day. I'm like, how are you even, how are you still breathing? Hundred percent. So the so as science is quantity, quantity of work, which is time, and how much you, how much you're doing during that time. Mm-hmm. For example, if you're a bricklayer, even you're saying you're working twelve hours. Well, how much are you carrying during that time? Because um, there's different impacts on your health depending on the type of work you're doing, and that's why right. I'm I'm taking you through this thing of answering your question by giving you very objective ways. So quantity, which is time and the type of work that you're doing, and then the quality of the work that you're doing. So Mm -hmm. mental work, for example, has been proven to be equally taxing on on your health as much as physical work is. And the reason why there's been so much investment into corporate wellness, employment wellness, I mean, employee wellness, is because of this initial idea that, oh my gosh, Office jobs are like nothing. Yeah, you're just like, sitting at a desk. Click, why click, are you click. stressed? <laughs> you're like your secretary. Why are you stressed? But when you look at the level of mental agility that your brain has to go through, you're troubleshooting. So people think, you know, spending t- the whole day, shout out to all the executive assistants, normal administrators, all you office guys, because mm. everybody is always surprised when you guys need sick leave. Because they're constantly thinking that you do nothing, which is absolutely incorrect. The level of troubleshooting you're doing when you're doing just administrative work is beyond what most people actually give credit to Mm -hmm. in terms of your health. One, there is people management in most of those office jobs because Mm -hmm. the level of communication coming at you, you're scheduling meetings, you are addressing people's concerns, you are literally focusing on creating... I always say... Look at it as a boat. If you're an administrator, you're trying to keep the boat afloat in an endless ocean. You're not quite sure if you're going to land in Hawaii or not, but Mm, mm. you've got to keep that boat afloat. You've got to make sure that no no holes are poked in. So there is a level of mental strain and mental energy required to achieve a lot of this corporate stuff, whether you're in professional sectors or just doing office work. Mm -hmm. It definitely has a big impact on your stress response. 
And that's why you can end up becoming sick long-term. Right. Because the quality of your work environment also impacts on how you are able to manage those demands. Mm -hmm. But in general, we tend to glorify working long and hard because it's the culture we've been taught yeah. to appreciate. Yeah. The rule, though, from a health point of view is because your brain is powered to give a certain amount of energy and output for a given day, mm -hmm. your brain will continue to give what it can give in 24 hours. Oh, so if man. you're trying to squeeze seven days worth of brain performance Sheesh. in 24 hours, best believe that your brain is going to say, I need time out to recover. Mm. And it's going to give you signs to say, I need time to recover. And depending on whether you're listening or not, <laughs> your brain's going to give you more signs and more signs. And if you're lucky, it's going to shut you down itself. Yeah. Which is why some people will say they push through these amazing deadlines for a couple of days and then they sleep for three or five days. That just like switched on a light bulb in my head now because, yeah. you know, you, you were making the comparison between mm. a bricklayer, which is physically exhausting and taxing yeah. and versus somebody who sits behind a desk. Yeah. Your body can only exert so much energy. Like if you were to imagine lifting bricks, let's say you could possibly lift 500 bricks a day. After 500, your muscles are torn, they're tired, you physically cannot. And so in the same way, your brain being part of your body can only give so much a day. After a certain amount of strain, <laughs> agility of, of the brain and it the gets mind, tired. it just cannot do it anymore. <laughs> it gets tired. And we tend to overlook that. It's like, Wow. Where we don't spend enough time in the working hard conversation is in the recharging and the recovery phase. Your brain requires a certain amount of hours in a 24-hour given day to, to recharge. recharge and reboot. Itself. I've got a nerdy question. Uh-oh. The, 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 <laughs> the, 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 the amount of energy um, exerted by your body is measured in kilojoules, right? Ooh. So what is, what, what, is, what is the amount of energy that's exerted by your brain? Is that also kilojoules because oh. it's just it's energy, energy, but it's not the same? Um, well, look, your body, a general principle that I do know and, and, and I hope I don't uh, misrepresent my neurologists <laughs> out there is that your brain requires in general 60% of, of the glucose, which is almost the primary energy source right. um, or in order to function 60% of your natural glucose that you take in within your diet and that it can generate within itself. So in general, I like to just, I like to always almost overlay things and say by noting that the brain requires almost more than half of your body's energy mm -hmm. in order to work properly. It is the dominant organ of the entire body. Mm -hmm. That in itself hopefully should answer your question <laughs> to say okay. that guy, when you eat, and they talk about you eating for your brain. <laughs> yes. It's actually very true. Because what's important to appreciate here is, yes, we talk about energy when it comes to physiology of the body in kilojoules. Mm -hmm. But there is input when it comes to energy, energy input and energy output. Mm -hmm. And in general, there's general functions that your body has to keep going at a minimum amount of uh, daily energy so that's things like for us to be able to breathe to mm. see to talk to smell um, for our kidneys to work there's these the functions, survival mechanisms there's these invisible functions that we don't yes. think about and they require a baseline amount of energy right right so the question should be based on your labor how much energy do you need and how much energy should you be pu putting out if you're in a healthy state 
Man. The problem is we're not thinking of work that way. My brain is going like, in all sorts of directions right now because like I'm even thinking like, think, like relative to your body, right? right? And in terms of physical exertion, right. your brain is a lot, 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 lot smaller. And a quick little example of True. Th- th- this comparison between a br- bricklayer and somebody who does office work, right? Mm, mm. You would never expect, let's say, of a bricklayer to, let's say, if, if you were taking the act of picking up a stack of bricks and placing them on something, yes, right? Yes. You would never expect them to do that for three hours without stopping, like continuously for three hours. There you go. And yet you're willing to put yourself through a certain amount of strain mentally for staring at a laptop for 18 for hours a day. Yo, yo. I'm sorry. It's, it's getting real. I did say, I did say it's getting all right, and, all right. And that's why what I liked about this topic is we're, we're looking at it from a wellness perspective. Yeah. We're not, <clears throat> we're not shining a spotlight on which is the best way for you to work in order to make more money. We're not about that no. today. Today, I'm saying whichever road you're choosing, take a moment to say, how is this going to impact my health short-term and long-term? Mm-hmm. And am I okay with those consequences? I think what often happens and why these discussions become important for us as doctors to have them early is most people recognize their patterns that got them to a place of poor health when it's too late, mm-hmm. when they've had the heart attack, when they've mm. had the stroke, when they've had the negative effects of a long, long, long life spent working excessively and hard, which to them felt like the right thing to do, but wasn't necessarily good for their health. So it's our generation's responsibility to look at work in a meaningful way, to look at, yes, the passion and the purpose, but also to look at, am I working in a way that will allow me to feed and provide for my family and be around long enough in order to keep supporting the future generations of my lineage. As mm-hmm. you were saying, if, if some of us are put in the positions of having to provide for our families, it doesn't really help to work really hard, have a heart attack at 38 and you're gone because you leave an entire generation of people that now have to fend for themselves. And the reality is in this current day and age, we are losing people at younger and younger ages to chronic diseases that are largely brought on by what we call lifestyle habits. Lifestyle, yeah. And that's the the long road that mm. I wanted to take yeah. when it comes to addressing this work concept. And and I think how you work is part of your lifestyle. Mm, and I think ultimately just to kind of add to your point there mm. of <clears throat> losing people at a young age yes. because of all of these avoidable um there we lifestyle go. changes Most important that can be word. made is that your presence matters more. And I think if you were to ask that question, that your presence in people's lives matters more than you know, what you offer to them financially or as, as a result of, of your work. They'd rather have you around than, than not. I don't know of a single family that would say they would rather not have John um, around, but, but keep hearing that John worked hard. Yeah. Hey, he was a hard worker. <laughs> Yo, I, I would not want that on my He worked stone. 18 hours a day. Yeah. No, nobody wants to hear that. They want to they no. hear Yeah. The desperate chase for monetary reward is sometimes the biggest driver of ill health. Hmm. It's such a difficult thing for me to say as someone who sits here as an entrepreneur who knows how important it is to make money, have money, provide money. Yeah, because you're not saying that it's not important or it it doesn't offer some kind of practical utility. It's not that. We're in a very tricky cycle of constantly looking at our lives from a point of lacking or scarcity. Mm -hmm. So I want those boots... I want that jacket. I want that car. I want that house. I want 
that poster, I want that trip. Constantly looking at the things that we want mm-hmm. at the expense of the things that we need. And health and good health is a need. I it like gets, how you said that with your chest. Mm. Yay. Okay. Yes, Dr. G. Put, put, yes. Me, put me in any stage and I'll say that Sister, again. there. I know. We believe. <laughs> and I will accept the tomatoes that get thrown at me. <laughs> the reason we are so busy constantly as clinicians isn't because the population is constantly sick and there'll always be a need for us to exist. The distressing reason we continuously exist as doctors nowadays is to constantly try and prevent disasters from happening to young people who have put themselves in vulnerable positions of pushing themselves to a state of complete health collapse for the purpose of trying to achieve dreams mm. that are still possible to achieve, but just in a, in a more reasonable time frame. Yeah. yeah. It's the time frame. But it's where we are, right? We're, I know. we're in the age of I know of digital, of get it all. digital <laughs> everything. Like everything is so easily accessible, especially the lives of other people that we aspire to mm. mirror. Mm. And we so easily look at that, and you know, you have no idea of someone's backstory or what it is that they had to do. You know, whether good or bad to 100%. get to where they are. But you just want that end product, right. and the fact that you're not there now also. Ways done. Because the peak years of work, which is mid-20s to early 40s, is the period known as the highest risk period for the complications from a health point of view mm. of hard work. Your mid-20s and your 40s, how you behave and how you treat yourself during those two decades has a lasting impact on your health for the rest of your life. And that's why this conversation becomes so important when we think of the pluggers that we connect with and engage with are in this bracket, mm-hmm. right in this bracket. And it's also easy to see how hard it is to try and undo a habit. But when you look at your health, I always say it's so important to, to look at the concept of work mm-hmm. in two areas, pace, right? Mm-hmm. And impact. Okay. So pace speaks to how hard do I work? Am I the hamster? Am I the person always rushing, always me- having in meetings, always on the laptop? Am I that person? I like that. Am I the hamster on a wheel <laughs> that spins to nowhere? Yes. I always say going nowhere fast because hmm. the hamster does go fast, but it's going nowhere, mm-hmm. right? Pace. The second is impact. Is the work that I'm doing having a positive impact on my life? Sure. It's too simple. Two questions that sound really simple, but they're actually one of the most important wellness questions you need to, you need to have a discussion with yourself around is pace and impact. So whatever job you're doing. Input, output. Yeah, that's, that's, you've nailed it. It's the wellness version of looking at the input, output conversation. Right. Yeah. Life yeah. is choice. I love it. And so, so <laughs> maybe, maybe we, we can then talk about some, you know, from, from your wellness expertise point of view some hacks that you might have that could help us to work in a way that that is that's better for our health 100% what could possibly be better Um, I think in short is it Mm. possible to work healthier yeah that's (laughs) I 
think yes, it is. Okay. As we've established, it like, is I, possible. To I like work hearing that from healthier. an entrepreneur, self-employed <laughs> artist, because you guys are usually the group <laughs> that doesn't always say yes to that answer because you feel the most pressure to produce. Uh, you're in such a highly visible industry, so I actually really must applaud you, and I hope a lot of artists take. Take a, a leaf out of your book to say it is possible to work healthier because you're known, your sector is, mo is most commonly known to be the sector that's under the greatest pressure to work excessively and compulsively. Yeah, because there's no real, you know, as, as an entrepreneur and artist, th there is no nine to five. Yeah. There's, nobody, there's no real pause button. And there's nobody <laughs> to tell you to stop. Right. You have to, you are literally the master and the captain of your own ship. And, and your hours are very different to the traditional working model. Exactly. Arguably, Absolutely. right? You, Absolutely. Exactly what you've said. You're not a typical nine to five and you are the highest risk of falling prey to not just physical physical illnesses, but mental health illnesses. And, and the pressure you place on yourself to constantly be productive. Otherwise, what are you doing with your life when people are out there working so hard? Here what are go. you doing? It's that guilt. <sighs> So what we often don't talk about as this current, this generation is the guilt of working effectively. We, when we see other people, and that's why pace and impact are so important. Mm -hmm. Why? Because pace addresses that guilt. If I'm not working at the same intensity as Sipo, am I going to achieve less than him? Well, my first question is, as your doctor, why are we comparing ourselves to Sipo? What's our goal? What's our list mm -hmm. of things we want to achieve? But getting back to the hacks, and I think it's a really important uh, place to, to go because I think probably by now a lot of our listeners are going, oh gosh, I feel so bad now. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. These, we're, guys, we're, we're, we're these guys are just like <laughs> punching me when I'm down. <laughs> no, no, I think certainly not. There are real concepts and real fallouts that a lot of young people are currently navigating on their own mm. and quietly as a result of working hard, sleep disturbances, eating disturbances, mm. uh, burnout. A very real concept to talk about is burnout. But there's also very these... In between interruptions, you know, um, and the reason I'm starting with the symptoms of, of being overextended um, and, you, and you being aware of those is because it leads into the hacks more effectively. Okay. If you're already someone who's exp experiencing sleep disturbances, if you're already experiencing fatigue that's lasting the whole day, if you're struggling to keep your energy up, mm -hmm. <laughs> right, and you're starting to have days where you're not Obviously sick, but you're not feeling like yourself. Yes. You are already in that interesting gray energy capacity area where mm. it's important to seek the expert advice of a medical professional to find out what is going on. Because, because work and, and how we work affects primarily energy and capacity, you have to be mindful first of what your normal energy capacity is in order to address the problem when it hits. So the first hack for me is know your know what your normal energy and capacity is. And I'll give you an example. Okay. Because you guys love examples. Okay. <laughs> so okay. SEV, and he's here, so I can use him as an example. All mm -hmm. <laughs> right. An entrepreneur, mid-20s, wakes up at a certain time, knows what time, if I ask you, what time do you wake up every day, Sive? Most of you, more than 90% of you can give me a very accurate aggregate figure of 
within two hours of your waking time, right. whether it's between five and seven, whether it's between six and eight, mm-hmm. all of us sure. actually know our waking time. Then my second question, usually as a doctor to help you understand your energy and capacities, what time is your body usually tired and wants to sleep? Mm-hmm. Am I going to, am I hearing silence? In the yeah, room? probably. Can anyone, <laughs> can anyone, we're not, can anyone we're tell not me? aware of it, right? right? We're not aware of it. Or we, we've ignored it for so long that so you could never be able to answer that. That's why Dr. G's first lifestyle hack is, it's easy for you to answer the first question. The first, the second question is the most important one because it gives you a nice window of how you've been treating your body in a 24-hour cycle. So I'll give you mine. I'll put, I'll put myself in the guillotine to give an example. I wake up, right, between half past four and half past five every morning. Mm-hmm. Been like that for more than 20 years of my life, mm-hmm. right? Without fail, I know that my body wants to rest, wants to sleep between 10 and 11, that means in general, right? So let's take the earlier time, 2200 hours, 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. And let's take five o'clock as my average wake up time. Yeah. So that means 22 minus five. I'm awake essentially for 17 hours hmm. every day. Every day. So that's my wake time. During that time of being awake, there's a certain amount of time that I can be productive. And there's a certain amount of time where I need to recharge. So let's not call it rest because also when we use certain words as doctors, people switch off. Like, okay. no, rest is the equivalent of doing nothing. No, your brain recharges in different ways. So I'm now aware. And this, by the way, for those of you who are interested, I'm going into a hack called the productivity equation and I'll explain it in more detail on our social page. So do look out for this. But this is a way of you understanding how you can improve how you work in order to protect your health. So I'm aware that in those 17 hours, I spend a maximum of eight of those hours strictly working. So whether I'm in meetings, whether I am engaging with clients, whether I'm sending emails, eight of those hours are strictly working. This is my perfect day. This this is a, a schedule or a work capacity schedule that does not allow me to fall prey to a stressful cycle where I'm now trying to keep up or catch up with my health. So eight of those hours at my ideal is a positive, right? It's a positive work cycle for me. It means that I'm able to produce quality work. I'm able, my brain is not tired. I'm eating well in between and I'm managing to do a lot of the stuff. Okay. So obviously the question is, what am I doing with the nine hours? That I left, yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. Because everyone's like, Ah, oh, Dr. G only works eight hours. No, hang on. I'm almost there. I can extend those physical work hours by another four without compromising my health. Okay. So it means out of the 17 hours I'm spending awake, 12 of those hours in my ideal, my ideal energy tank. I'm not going to compare it to another person. Because you know ideal, yours. Because I know mine. Because I've experienced burnout and I know exactly why I got to that place okay. of burning out. Anytime I extend myself beyond the 12 hours non-stop working. Mm-hmm. So once I'm going into the 14, 16, 18 hours, I then know that I'm going to have to play catch up for the rest of the week to actively rest my brain in order to recover mm-hmm. sufficiently for the following week. Okay. That so makes my sense. capacity in summary, 12 out of 17 we can quickly do a calculation. Someone can quickly tell left. me what the, not the hours, but the percentage. 12 out of 17. 
12 yeah. out of 17 would be like something like you know, Who did math? You're the accountant in this team. 60. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, we we're ripping out calculators now. That's yeah, we we did. Well, we're doing this live on Saturday. because accuracy. Yeah, seventy percent. Right. There we go. So my in my productivity cycle, work constitutes seventy percent of my life in twenty four hours a week. Hmm. Hmm. That's a, that's a it's huge. Actually, it's chunk. falling, but it's falling smack bang in the ideal productivity range, which is sixty. To seventy-five. Hmm. Happy to give more input on why most productivity ranges from a health point of view around that. So, mark. so that is to say that within a given period of time, yeah, if you spend sixty to seventy percent of your waking time, it should not working. That should your equal mm-hmm. productive and effective work, right. though not compromising to your health. Your health. That means I should not be having headaches, feeling super hungry, stressed out. I should not be having the side effects of feeling overextended in my work mm. when I maintain that cycle. Yeah. And I think for a moment, it's important to kind of like have a little flash think about, you know, how would that impact the quality of your life, the quality yeah. of the relationships in your life yeah, and your ability to experience life at that level that you want to experience it at. Usually what is critical for a lot of people is to not appear weak. At the mm-hmm. workplace, right. right? Oh, no, I can't report. Oh, it's just a tummy bug. I can't take time off. If I tell you the amount of excuses we get when we when we prescribe everything, someone comes to our office, they've got a couple of issues. We prescribe everything and then we say, you need to take time off for three days. Oh, doc, no, I can't. No, 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 no. I've got this very important project that I'm doing. And I go, okay, I am addressing the fact that in order for you to get back to work in great shape and be able to continue to produce the work you're doing, your these Different systems inside your body right now need this amount of time in order to get back to normal. You telling me that you don't have time for that is the same thing as telling me that you are quite okay running yourself to the ground and coming back and saying, I don't know why that happened. <laughs> hmm. So be sure to communicate your Sick needs. Sick leave is health a health needs. need. Yeah. Yeah. Trust that as doctors, we prescribe it out of understanding how your body works and how it's going to repair itself mm-hmm. back into the shape you need it to in order to get back in the game and do your best. So it's, it's, it's critical to appreciate that it starts at small. These hacks start as small and as simple as taking a step of saying, if I'm booked off, let me take the time off, actually. Yeah. See what happens. You'll be amazed. You'll feel better. My gosh. That's the whole point. Yeah, I mean, th- those are seriously great hacks. And I hope that you, um, as a plugger listening in, you are really making those mental notes and trying to see where you can make those small adjustments. Uh, but before we close off today's episode, we've got to talk about our hot wellness ticket of the day. And what's yours, Dr. G? Absolutely. I What I'm loving at the moment are leaders who are taking this conversation of well-being alongside profit very seriously. So to every single leader that has integrated employee wellness in their company, big ups to you. You're my hot wellness ticket today. Absolutely. <laughs> and mine has to do, related to what we've been talking about from a work situation, uh, the concept of detachment and mm-hmm. obviously linked mm-hmm. to attachment. Yeah. Uh, you need to be very careful about the things that you allow to yeah. define you, what you attach yourself to, because that has a, a very a great bearing yeah. on, on how you process adversities in your life, especially those um, that involve 
that particular attachment that you have. So be very conscious of that. Absolutely. I hope we've given you a banger of an episode and a lot a to banger. think about. banger. <laughs> well, we'll catch you again on uh, another episode of the Wellness Plug podcast. And next time we'll be talking about sleep and burnout. Oh my, oh my. Good luck to everyone. It's the one, it's the two, it's the three, it's a... Float, Linda, float, Linda, float. Okay, it's a wellness podcast. Just the wellness plug podcast. Just the wellness plug podcast. The name is Dr. G. Hey, that's who I be. Everywhere I go, I ride with God. You know, you know, because we ride it with God. Don't